We are stepping behind the scenes and inside the mind of Emily Beecham, an actress known for her role within the Coen Brothers film Hail Caesar and for playing the leading role in the feature film Daphne, which earned Emily a nomination for Best Actress at the British Independent Film Awards. It was the role of playing Alice, a plant breeder in Jessica Hauser's sci-fi drama Little Joe, that won Emily the prestigious Palme d'Or Best Actress Award at Cannes Film Festival. This is just the beginning of a long and blossoming career for Emily, and we shall soon see her leading alongside Lily James in the upcoming miniseries, The Pursuit of Love, and in the upcoming feature, Cruella, starring alongside Emma Stone and Emma Thompson, both of which I cannot wait to see. Yes, we made this happen. Woohoo! I listened to your Chisara Abor. Did you? It what was so you good. I loved it. I loved what she had to say. Yes, and she brought a lot to the table. I yeah, it was really nice about... So what are you talking about? Things taking time and also just being where you are and what you're doing is enough. Yeah, I found that she had a really holistic and healthy yes. approach to mm -hmm. her artistic practice. Yeah. And I think that it was really refreshing speaking mm -hmm. with her. Um, yeah. And her dad does Tai Chi. And I thought that that was really interesting as well, because I like finding out how parents may have influenced children. Mm -hmm. Does he do lots of holistic stuff as well? What did she say that he Yeah, she does? said that he, um, that they went to holistic events. Yes. Um, did your parents have a big impact on what you do? Um, well, my mum took me to see lots of quite adult theatre when I was quite young, actually. I went to see the Blue Room when I was 13. And if anyone knows the Blue Room, it's, there's a really, it's a kind of linger scene. And um, it's an amazing play. It's such an amazing play. But um, yeah, I was sort of completely mortified. But but also I loved it. It was really incredible. And it's about, it's just two actors and then they, it's like a daisy chain. So they switch characters. So it's like the father and the au pair and then the au pair and another character. And then, so they kind of link that way. It was just brilliant. So, yeah, she took me to see. She, yeah, she took me to very random art gallery exhibitions and um, obscure French films. Sometimes, definitely was influenced by her, and actually almost went to art school, but I, I didn't. So, she's definitely influenced me in that way. You almost went to art school. What would yes, you have focused well, on? I think uh, my teacher at the time wanted me to go study painting. They encouraged me to do that. And then I uh, got into Lambda, which it's funny when you think about how different your life would be. If Probably be much more solitary. I have friends who are artists and they say they spend an awful lot of time on their own. But yeah, no, I think acting is definitely, um, it, it changes everybody, doesn't it? So it's just such a social thing. It's about people and you're with people all the time and you have to be able to communicate and open up with people and mm. work together with people so I think it is a really good does teach you some I think some really good skills prepares you for life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also makes you crazy but yeah <laughs> and learn a lot about yourself and yeah. learn about the depths of your character <laughs> Brings you to yeah. an existential crisis. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Everything you're afraid to face and you sort of have to. Louise and I met um, in a Meisner class 
uh, and um, taught by Alex Marks. Alex, yes, yes. teaches it, and it's just the most intense experience. But um, yes, Louise is the best Meisner partner. <laughs> totally, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> I have to say, though, it's yeah, you it are. was really fun to do the repetition exercise with yeah. you because you are super open and yeah. you get to a state of vulnerability. I mean, you you have this sensitivity, mm-hmm. which actually in the episode that I was speaking with Jason Silver, he yes. was talking about this vulnerability and how right. the best actors are almost um, like very sensitive to the real world. So they, mm-hmm. you know, they have to protect themselves in a way and um I think that you have this this beautiful quality it's it's a vulnerability but it's a real softness to your character and it comes I think Mm. from your willingness to want to connect and um yeah I you know I I really like repping with you too Emily is what I'm saying (laughs) isn't it (laughs) thank you Louise that's so nice um, I was reading an interview of a friend of mine who is an actress and she was um, saying how to be an actress you need to have a very a thick skin to obviously deal with a lot of the criticism and but also a very thin skin because you have to be able to let everything affect you mm. and she says she finds she spends a lot of her time kind of protecting herself or just I don't know I just thought that was um that's Very a really good point. Interesting. Yes. It's a Which real is, paradox, right? Yes. Of this vulnerability, having mm-hmm. that access to the vulnerability, but also, you know, you can't be fully open in no. the day to day with every person that you meet. I mean, you probably yeah. could, but there is a reason why we have some kind of yes. layers to us, right? Some kind of barriers just to get through the day. Yes. <laughs> so, so we don't get arrested or, you know follow our impulses all the time what do you do aside from say the Meisner to keep yourself in that openness and that open space and that acts being able to access that vulnerability it's hard I think with every job I'm learning I think and with every job it's also different and with each character obviously it's very different for me I think now I sort of relax more about it and I sort of realise that you kind of fluctuate as a person, so anything goes, really. Um, Obviously, the Meisner or we use... um, My last job, we use playlists a lot and um, I think just a lot of constant dialogue. It helps who you're around as well. I think our, our director was a very open and honest person. She's amazing. She's an actress herself. This was on Pursuit of Love, which I just filmed, and Emily Mortimer was directing. I think it was just so nice to be able to have that, just be really open and honest with ourselves, because these characters were these young women who were, well, I think they go from age 16 to about 40. So it's their whole complicated journey, and they have so many sides to themselves. So so we found just this constant dialogue and sometimes poetry here and there and songs that made us feel certain things and I think just talking really candidly as well I think your environment and who you're around really helps um obviously the Meisner I think is amazing because it does I know you just asked me 
what else do I see besides flies? And I've gone back there again. No, no, but, but I, I mean, I, it's clearly, a, I, I think we can't get so around interesting. from the fact that it's been so profound mm-hmm. for both of us. Yeah. And also he take and Alex Marks being our teacher, he he's a very accepting teacher and yeah. I think very nurturing teacher. So actually what he created was an environment where we were able to completely learn how to be comfortable with ourselves and yeah. fully comfortable with ourselves. Yes. Um, and I make this distinction because some people I hear have had um, maybe negative experiences with, mm-hmm. with Meisner if they've um, gone with another teacher or, you yeah, know, I think it is scary. Quite, Mm. very scary it's if you take it too personally as well it's like all acting I think all acting I've seen affect my friends and you can understand sometimes you it takes a really long time to wind down but mm. I've seen some people who go full-on head first into it and lose themselves for a while and have to take time out to get their mental health back in check I think I think with acting yes you as we were saying we have to be open and vulnerable and let all your sort of things that you naturally hide in your day-to-day life because it's just not socially acceptable. You have to suddenly let all these things out in this character and um, understand that it's just, well, I guess, play at the end of the day. And no one's judging. It's not personal. And I think then you can go to these places where it feels really real. But I think you just can't have your... I mean, if you have your guards up, that's going to be very inhibiting. So, but um, I can't remember, I went off at a tangent. What no, we... a great tangent. I'm wondering, what has your training been? What have been the, the principles that have really supported you in your process? I think, well, I was so young when I started. I was about 18. And with hindsight, I think I was so young. I, I, think, I think it's changed what helps. I mean, certainly... Well, we got experience going to Lambda. It was a theatre training at the time. Uh, I know that all the schools have adapted now, so now, you know, you, you make a film together and you kind of get to know that process a lot better. So, yes, I did have a, have a theatre training. And I think, I mean, I learned so much when I actually came out, so I was often learning on the job. So first few years was honestly like hit and miss, a bit scary sort of trying to learn in front of a television audience <laughs> or... I was having to unlearn lots of theatre habits. So when I first went to auditions, they'd say, oh, you know, you're very theatrical, can tell you've had a theatre training. So I had to bring that right down. And then What did they of, mean when they were saying that? I think someone? they just said it's just too big. I think with, with film, there's so much that's unconscious, which is what I love about it now. And what I love watching is, 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 is it's just really unconscious. And you, I guess they're sort of, I don't know. I mean, theatre is very physical. I mean, they're both great at being physical, but... I think there's something that you don't notice happens. There's just something unconscious because you can't pretend <laughs> really so much on camera because it. You can't hide. Thing. No, so you kind of sort of have to almost be sort of tricking yourself into actually having that experience, and and then sort of interesting little things come out or physicalities or like tiny ticks or tiny. I don't know. It's just I, as you can see, I can't quite talk about this. It's, it's it's so cerebral. Is this why you chose film as opposed to theatre? Well, when I left school, I started getting jobs that were in film and TV straight away. And then 
I did a play here and there, but to be honest, I think the two worlds are quite separated. So once you do one, another door closes. So it was actually just because at the time I couldn't do theatre. So I often spent a lot of my 20s sort of questioning what I'd done, whether I made a good choice or not by doing that. You know, now I, I think I hope things will open up again. But I think if I do a play, you know, it has to be with the right director because it's been an awful long time. So, and also the right character. So, you know, it can be an amazing experience working with someone, obviously, as you know, who you, you're on the same wavelength with. I think that can be brilliant and liberating and amazing experience. So is this part of the key criteria for you when it comes to, I mean, you're in a position now where roles are coming to mm-hmm. you, a lot of roles. Um, so how do you choose which characters you decide to take on? Well, if the script is great and often if you see the, the filmmakers work, you understand that it's good. I mean, the better it is, the easier it is to act, I think, because it will make sense and you believe it and everybody believes it. So it makes your job easier. Yeah, those, those, that's what I uh, look for, really. What else do I do to kind of stay open? I think, like, music is really helpful. And again, like, drawing and painting, but I rarely ever do that <laughs> anymore, which um, I don't know why, but I probably should. It's very meditative, and it's kind of very sort of, it's sort of this thing that you do where you sort of move and you kind of aren't thinking which I think is... Mm, The flow state. Yeah, which is also really similar to when you're in a good state with acting or anything, really. It's sort of getting out of your head. And, yeah, so music. I also find singing is really helpful because you can't really sing if you're not breathing, probably. Mm. And I just find general kind of well-being and everything is so important because... Like your brain and your whole body has to kind of relax and sort of be attuned, to, you know, I think in order to be able to play and then immerse yourself with complete focus into another given circumstance that isn't your own. I think that's also part of it. I think growing older has helped me because I'm now more mature. I'm sort of learning more about life and people and experiences and grief and joys and just being a human being is helping, but also, I guess, being more professional in that you can let go of your own life and think about someone else's. When you are going through things in your own life, mm-hmm. do you have, has being an actor changed the way that you would deal or go through those experiences? Like, is there a part of you that has um, you hear about actors when they're crying you Mm -hmm. know or they're going through something sad it's the emotional memory of you know remembering this this place I think when I was younger I used to block it a lot because I'd be like no 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 I can't I think that was a bad thing I just can't but now I realize like you can't I mean just to control things less And, and also yes as you say to let yourself live and experience everything fully and if that happens, then use it. Yeah, and which is a great tool. It's basically ammunition for you. It's, it's <laughs> or a toolkit. Sounds less aggressive. <laughs> it's not referred to as ammunition, but um, uh, uh, but it is. It's just it's it's what happens in life. I mean, 
sometimes I find at the moment just looking at the news is just all I need really to kind of if it's a particularly difficult scene and the character is lost it or is even just anyway you just just let yourself care about people and things because your characters will care because more often than not you don't often watch somebody a protagonist on screen who doesn't care about anything and just watches telly for the entire film (laughs) here's a story about somebody who doesn't care about anything doesn't do anything (laughs) because often they're about you know big events in life or adventures or dynamics complicated dynamics you know which is what we like yeah I think us actors really get off on it don't they yeah when you were so you were going to go to art school but what happened then for you to want to then change that path and, and well, I got into go into acting? And I don't know really. Oh, I mean, it was so long ago, but I, I think, uh, I don't know. I think I just liked, it's a great feeling to do it. Also, also, I think I didn't know if I was good or not at all because I really had no experience at all. And so I thought this would, I'll see if I'm any good or not, you know, and, and yeah, you, 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 you always question that still, you know, in your professional life and everybody does really. So I've accepted that's also part of an actor's life. You're always learning and you're always changing. So, and even yes. the most incredible actors who I have, I've, I've been, I've worked with some of my favorite actors over this last year, which has been so lovely. And they're so modest and sensitive and thoughtful and empathetic. And, you know, so it's just, it's not really a case of kind of suddenly, you know, getting someone going, oh, well, I've figured it all out. I think it seems like, you know, it's always this kind of journey. Because you're always working with a different human being. Like every director is a completely different person with a different personality and a different way of doing it. So I guess if you're adaptable, then, and sometimes you click more with one person than another person. But mm. So it is always like a different experience and a different personality, I feel like, every, every production or job. Or, and you kind of have to utilise a different part of, I don't know, your mind. or Yeah. Why was it that you chose acting? What Why was it about being that? an actor? That was your question, wasn't it? actually answer to a question I I think actually what it is is I grew up in quite I think I grew up in this town I mean my dad was a pilot so we moved lots and I think I was in my 11th school by the time I was wow. uh, 18 whatever so it's a lot so my um, academic education was always you know missing and redoing syllabuses so that kind of wasn't really that easy but also the creative stuff, you know, you either have a natural inclination to it or you don't. But also, I in the town where I was for a while, it kind of felt quite repressive and it was very, it was this place where people go to because the state schools are supposed to be really, like, good. So it's very, like, grades-orientated. And mm. I just sort of kind of always found myself sort of questioning why. And that I basically sort of wanted more, really. And I was in environments where people didn't really talk about things or weren't really open about things. And I think generally I kind of wanted a bit more openness or 
<laughs> honesty and <laughs> which is what you definitely get in Meisner. Oh, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. a relatable laugh. <laughs> yes. And also when you do change schools a lot, you see how differently people behave. Like one school mm. was like, wow, the girls are so feminine here and so sexual, using their sexuality. In another school, it's like class clowns. It's sort of like more of a laddish quality or... or, or or they're fascinated with you because your accent is slightly northern, because I used to have a bit of a northern twang. Um, and I moved down south. And um, so kind of, I think you get used to sort of looking at people. And also, I think I think I just sort of, dynamics in people, there's always complicated dynamics. And in families, you know, I come from a very... Um, my parents came from very complicated families and it's fascinating. And you see how people react to that and what choices they make in their lives. They come from the same place, but they make different choices mm. and they become completely different people. And I think I just loved that when I saw the Blue Room. It was like all these family dynamics, sexual dynamics, family dynamics, all sorts of different ones. And it was like people finally sort of the actors are being so open and bold and finally talking really honestly um, and I just really loved that. And, and also I did watch a Michael Winterbottom film called Wonderland, which I really love to this day. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's with Gina McKee, who I'm still very in love with. Um, she's so wonderful. And, um, and Shirley Henderson is in it also. And it's just a young woman's life in London. And it was so candid and it was so, um, she's so natural. I thought I was watching a documentary. I think I was quite oh. fairly youngish. I think I was a young teenager when I watched it. It was accidentally on the television very late at night. I didn't quite know what I was watching, and but it was the best acting I had ever seen. I didn't even realise they were acting, and um, I just really loved that. And so I think I just really wanted to do that. It was to me, it was I guess it was communication, and it was also being honest and not bottling things up and expressing yourself. Because I think I felt for growing up, it was not a safe place. It was not a place where you could speak your truth or express yourself and or have an openness that I quite wanted and I think I quite love that about acting I mean working with actors they're just really they're just really honest um open people and as you say like with Meisner it's so wonderful because what I mass I got a huge I learned a huge thing from it which was that because basically the repetition exercises, just to tell people who don't know, it's 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 an exercise where you, I think you've explained this in another one of your podcasts. So I'll just say it really quickly. No, but yeah, go just, for it, go for it. People just watch it. You look at each other. You have to look at each other in the eyes for a very long time, which is difficult because people don't really do that often. And um, and you have to say exactly what you see. So if you see tension, you say, um, you're tense. And then you have to keep sort of repeating that, I'm tense, you're tense. So, and then until something kind of changes. And then that, after that exercise, then you work it into a scene so it can just become the most sort of explosive and interesting and wild, brilliant scene ever. So this just, it just takes all the acting, out, the falsity out of it. But, but, the ex- but what I've learned from watching all those exercises is that there's so many um, like walls that people put up and, to, and underneath all of that, like people will become hostile, 
And it's just all, people aren't trying to do it. It's just what happens when you get suddenly really honest with someone, or not honest, but really kind of sort of naked in a way, really vulnerable. Well, it's exposing, isn't it? Exposing, As soon as we're looking into each other's eyes. Or so you, people giggle, people flirt, people get hostile, people break the eye contact, people want to go elsewhere, get out of the room. It's, it's, and then you can see, and it was so helpful in terms of now looking at characters and trying to figure out and make decisions on characters. Like, because underneath all of that, once the exercise has gone on, you just realise that people just, at the end of the day, are just too afraid to show themselves. Maybe society's taught them that it's cheesy to do that, or it's, 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 it's too much, it's, you'll get rejected. You know, people have had so many experiences that stop them from being truly open or compassionate or tactile or, or loving towards each other. And you just see that really what people want is to be accepted and to love each other and love, be loved themselves and accepted. And, and I think it's really cool when you can look at a character and say, this person has grown up in this environment, she's in the, from this environment and maybe she made these decisions and this is how she operates. This is what she chooses to do. But I think also what I learned from it was that we're all basically the same. We make different decisions, but we all experience a huge array of emotions. We all have these needs. We all experience grief, um, jealousy, lust. Um, you know, it's just all these things. And that is so freeing and empowering as an actor because you're not afraid to show these things and you can go somewhere that if you haven't accepted that in yourself, you might be frightened to go to those, to do that or to show that side of yourself or to, or maybe even if you don't, if it's not part of your personality, you you can, you know how you can get there, how you can sort of conjure that kind of place. I quite want to play someone quite extreme, although I think... I think it would be a, a funny experience. I was listening to an interview with Rosamund Pike actually talking about Gone Girl. And he oh, was like, amazing acting. And she laughed and she's like, well, that's not acting. <laughs> and she's like, ah. she's saying, I, I thought maybe I'm a psychopath. I must be a bit of a psychopath. Yes, I, I actually saw this. Yeah, it's good, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. great interview. Uh, she, and she yeah, was, it's funny. She's shocked herself as to where she goes. I, yeah. mean, I think it just shows that we have mm-hmm. all of the colours within mm-hmm. us. It's yeah. up to, you know, the environment and the situation to trigger that which yes. certainly for me made me a lot more empathetic for mm-hmm. other people because, you know, it's different yeah. different environments, different lifestyles, different outcomes of what is triggered within yes. us. Yes. I have to say, that was so beautifully articulated. <laughs> I'm oh, so, I'm, I was beaming through that, oh, just good. smiling, feeling, feeling heard because yeah. I think that we all do, you know, especially in, when we're in this acting environment and we have these breakthroughs mm-hmm. it's like oh you just want to share it with the whole world I want everyone yeah. to know of what is possible with yes. this you know exercise and, and not just this exercise but this w- the power of what happens when we are true to ourselves and mm-hmm. open with other people and willing to connect with other people yeah. like magic amazing things happen mm-hmm. I think a lot of things in the world might be very different if we all understood our emotions better our rage better or this understand where all this comes from I mean we're like just this constant changing kind of thing of or somebody explained like babies you know they go through so many emotions it's just 
<laughs> a thing that, and then as adults you turn it down, but it's still it's still there. Yeah. There was a nice interview which Emily Mortimer uh, gave about when she learned that acting was a noble profession because she said she just grew up thinking, well, for a long time, um, she was saying she didn't think it was a very noble profession and she felt so embarrassed about it. And and then I think she said she was working with Jane Campion and, and I think she had to do something really vulnerable, like she had to be naked, I think, and stand there and be really vulnerable and look really vulnerable. And she said she just felt so vulnerable. And after that experience, she said, that's what it is. It's not not being literally naked, but I mean, just it, like the emotions, the feeling of that. Mm. And and she's like, that is noble because it's so frightening and it's mm. so scary. And you well, are there's making no yourself barriers, so vulnerable. Right? Yeah. And no, she said no that. No barriers between the clothes. That is noble because you are showing something. Yeah, which, I mean, that's a good example because yeah. na- when you're naked, you are physically bearing everything. <laughs> and yeah. what what you do through with your characters is you bear parts of you mm-hmm. that, you know, you might be fully clothed. Mm-hmm. It's likely you will be fully clothed, but yeah. you're removing your clothes in a different sense. You're mm-hmm. removing your armor, removing mm-hmm. that which blocks you from being uh, forming a connection with the other people. Yes. I notice with um, some of the Meisners we've done, um, I, it's, it's something that I, um, I notice in myself, I pull back a bit with sort of the intimate scenes. It's, it's, it's more, I'm slower at those with women. Um, it's sort of, I have a bit more of a hesitancy about it. And I think I went, I was, at school with a lot of girls and it wasn't kind of cool. You might, you'd get kind of um, rejected or kind of teased or bullied for, mm. I guess I, there was this thing where girls would always call each other names and always, it was awful at schools. Girls would call each other lesbians all the time as like, it was like, if you got called that, you would get ostracized. It was terrible. Um, and I am slower in those exercises with women than I am with with men, and I often think it's 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 we are so complicated from our experiences because you learn that you get spurned or pushed or, um, and it's it's just so um, interesting, and I I sort of think everybody should do it. Yeah, it's like undoing <laughs> the NHS should make everybody do it just for oh, general like community, <laughs> everybody getting along, but um. Yeah, that's anyway. I love doing the. Um, it's very helpful. You're a very good um, scene partner in that respect. Thank you, Emily. I, I find it very me. hard to accept compliments, but I will say thank you. Oh yeah, we all do. Think um, so, you find a script that you mm-hmm. like, and you find the character within the script that you like. Mm-hmm. Can you talk us through your process of preparation? I find every experience has been very different. So I think it's different for each character, obviously reading the script a lot because that's all the clues. And the more you read it, the more you just obviously understand. It's just, and the same with the, an audition as well. Just like, just always keep reading it. And you just, and then you, there's just so many details in a script. You couldn't possibly learn everything about the character if you don't read it enough, but I think looking at what the character does and 
why they make certain, trying to figure out why they make certain decisions? Well, obviously, I think research is, is an obvious one, I guess. I, research um, depends on who you're playing. I think when I'm playing plant scientist, obviously, I have to learn <laughs> lots about virus vectors and all this stuff I was talking about in the script and try to kind of become a climatized to that and learn. Often the discourse with the director is really helpful. What they see in the character and what the character is struggling with and what it is that they want to communicate and all that. And every process is different. Yes, and then for the last job, we were playing, as I just said, I think young girls from 16 to 40. So they're going through um, so much in life. And I guess it was just remembering all that. So trying to kind of remember all these authentic feelings and memories that kind of help it feel playful and real because you want it because the more real it feels the more fun it's going to be and the more kind of less predictable you're going to be I think because I don't think people always behave like you think they're going to behave like when you experience something like if you have a bereavement or you don't necessarily behave how you think you're going to behave you may become distracted by something else or that's how you deal with your your grief. I think just reading it lots of times is just really helpful and kind of trying to sort of sometimes I jot down things of what I'm actually trying to communicate or what I'm actually trying to say because often the characters are doing different things to what they actually kind of want or are trying to do. For instance, the character in The Pursuit of Love, which I can talk about this because obviously it's a book, so it's no spoilers, but um, she was abandoned by her mother when she was young and she is best friends with her friend Linda, who is this vivacious personality and passionate and wild and comes in and out of her life. And, 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 and Fanny, my character, is basically just completely infatuated with her and loves her. And it's sort of in a way like it's a mirror kind of, of her feelings and her experience with her mother. So she's completely kind of experiences this abandonment again and again and again with Linda. And she's always loves her and sort of her life sort of suddenly becomes technicolor when Linda's back and then it goes back to black and white and she sort of craves her and, and eventually has to find her own journey. But I think, so remembering those parallels and then taking that. So Linda is always this person who is amazing, who is always going to leave. So it's kind of, it may, and then the script always says, you know, my stomach's always churning and my heart's always racing when Linda's around. And so kind of remembering that when we are together, that it's just like this sort of freedom. It's like it's like when you have a love affair for the first time ever and it's just like so exciting and sick-inducing and just you just don't want to not be around them ever. I think when you know things like that, then you can sort of let yourself loose in those circumstances. And then, for instance, when Fanny's with her mother, she ha kind of has a block because this is the woman who hurts her and abandons her. So it's sort of a bit like, um, you know, go away, go away, go away. So their kind of dynamic is a bit like that. So it's, so I guess that helps it be really fun to do and also to feel charged with something um, so that you're not, they're not just words on a page. It's not like you're not affecting something or you're not, you're not just kind of, you know, you're not doing that a panto it's, it's it's something that's like living and then you can be affected by the people so if my character that the actress who plays Linda she does something then me knowing that is going to really affect me 
Well, at what point is your preparation complete? Is it ever complete? I don't know. I always feel like I've got much more to do. But it's it's so... It's, it's funny. It's sort of... I guess I'm still sort of figuring out, but sometimes you prepared something literally backwards and forwards and it's too much. And I don't really rehearse it anymore because, for instance if you hit like a big emotional scene or something, your memory is going to be now perhaps you rehearsing that scene and how it went. And so you'll be replicating it. Whereas if it's fresh and it takes you by surprise, if you remember what it is, if you've done all the prep, but not, you know, put it into rehearsal or or actually acted it yet, then you don't know how it feels, but you know, you don't know how it, you're not conscious about how it's going to go. Because you kind of, it's so funny, isn't it? Because you want Mm. it to be unconscious, but you want it to be sort of, kind of sort of specific in that moment and specific to those characters and want it to be interesting and, and obviously be as authentic as possible. So it's a weird juggle. Conscious and competent, unconscious competence is what our teachers at Lambda used to say. They used to say, when you start, you're unconsciously uncompetent. Then you become consciously mm-hmm. uncompetent. Then you become consciously competent. Then you become unconsciously competent. <laughs> Which I really, that went right over my head at the time, but. I know what they mean now. It makes sense now. <laughs> Does it, it sounds okay. like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it sounds like um, you, you, and you like at the point that you enter the set and you get you're yeah. ready for filming is when you understand the nature of your relationship with each character. Yes, and I guess everybody's different, and maybe I will change the older I get perhaps the more experienced I get, maybe if I have kids, you know, it'll just, my priority will be on them and things will be like, you know, you'll throw things away more in possibly in a good way. I don't know. I guess you'll you'll never say how you're going to approach it, but I love watching, well, Olivia Coleman and uh, Helena Bonham Carter were talking about their different approaches and Helena was saying she just can't do the scene unless she knows the lines back to front. Otherwise she'll get way too scared and just forget everything. Whereas Olivia apparently goes on set and she she was saying she doesn't do prep but I don't know if that's true or not but um but but she doesn't know the lines and she'll learn them in the chair right before wow and I know amazing um and both of them are incredible actresses um personally I'm at the point now where I I have to know my lines if 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 they're given to me sometimes lines are given to you on set and you have to like swallow them down quickly and that's actually I find oddly easier it's all psychological isn't it because I found that easier because there's no pressure because you know you only just received them and then you can make them yeah that's true there's no expectation that yes you have to know them because yeah you know you have have to be understanding you're (laughs) reminding me of something that Matthew McConaughey said um, and writes about in his book Green Light and he said that this was one of his key um moments of le- of a key lesson that he learned because he didn't prepare he thought that he knew this character super super well um and then he came onto set and he someone gave him a script of the sides he saw that he had like a four page monologue in spanish 
<laughs> and he oh said God. he'd like he'd never been so humiliated. And it's that moment where he learnt for the rest of his career, I am going to prepare, 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 because he never wanted to be in wow. that situation ever again. I just, I feel yes. the fear when he's talking about this. It's like, can you imagine <laughs> getting onto set? And then everybody Terrible. set up and, you know, they're waiting oh for word. you. And you got it like a four page monologue no. in Spanish. So, he, and he didn't have long at all, obviously, to, to learn it. Um, no. Of course, yes, there's also the time restrictions and people are working really long hours and really hard and it's really expensive to make a show. So mm. there's all that. I think you've just, I guess the pre preparation for me there is, yeah, to relax. Mm. Because you have to, get to, to be able to relax. to get to a point where you can relax. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. How long do you, do, are you getting nowadays for your preparation? How, how long am I getting? Yeah. It depends. Um, I was about to, I'm about to start a series in March and then there was a film that came along and it was in um, starting the beginning of January and the scripts wouldn't have been written. They would still be getting written for the series as they go along. It's a really complicated plot. And both of them were really intense characters and I just, I, I, I had to let go of, well, the film couldn't do the film really because it just would have jeopardised both of them. But I think it just, it changed, it, it varies. I mean, this year has been obviously everything kind of paused and then we had the luxury, had the luxury of getting about a couple of months before Pursuit of Love started and um but then yeah but then things just sort of cluster at the same time I don't know why it happens like that it's just it doesn't always happen like that I guess you just think it happens like that but um oh it just varies I think when I know Sally Hawkins was saying that she enjoyed doing like one or two a year I think one a year because she said she sort of needed six months off to kind of get that character out of her system and then to kind of mm. get going with another one, which obviously is a complete luxury. And, you know, it's Sally has a very unusual career. You know, she's like the top of her game. So, yes. um, <laughs> so now everyone has that, that um, can do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you've just got to. What's the shortest amount of time that you've had for your preparation? Two weeks before a film. Yeah, that was not, that was a bit wow. anxiety-inducing. But um, I think before Corona happened, there were about, there were a bunch of things, it was like sort of a, a little bit of jam. And I would have had to have made some big decisions. I had to ask some friends of mine who are more experienced what they thought I should do. Either let, let, let some go or kind of be knackered always feel like you're sort of running mm. or you're kind of trying to catch up which is not a good feeling so I don't know really I, it always varies I think yeah as you say you've got to you know, I guess you feel like you've got to be responsible and also you don't want to start a job exhausted no unless the character is absolutely exhausted then maybe it might help you <laughs> <laughs> even then I feel I have to sort of I don't like that feeling of catching up or I don't know. And let's be honest, we need our memory. <laughs> it's true. 
it's true. And I also find if you're not rested or prepped enough, or then it does feel like you're missing moments. Mm. I think my, my fellow actress and I was in, in Pursuit of Love, we were saying it's nothing worse than feeling like you've missed a moment. Mm. that's really heartbreaking <laughs> because you know you just want it to be you want it to be as good as it can be but can you describe what your favorite memory on set has been if you have one I think when you do something quite extreme quite I love really the extremes don't you love the extremes. <laughs> I love there was this amazing I mean I got to ride horses on Pursuit of Love which I just bloody love it's amazing riding horses it's sort of like it's terrifying and adrenaline-inducing. An yes. yes. But basically there was this scene where my character is, my character is a terrible rider, which didn't make it easy because I had to be like basically bouncing about the saddle, which is just not not pleasant. But um, but yeah, the character's in a hunt and it was sort of like, there was there was so many horses, like beautiful, beautiful horses, like, a, like hunting horses, huge. And then there was, they had the whole, it was set in the 30s, so... They had all the, um, it was about, I think about, I don't know, 15 horses. And my character's right at the back. And um, and we're all cantering. And there's um, all the hunting horns and the dogs. And uh, just so you know, I'm not, into, I'm not advocating hunting. <laughs> the fake, fake hunting scene. And then there was a huge truck in front with a massive crane on it, sort of just careening in front and all this atmosphere smoke on this huge horse. <laughs> and it was just such an intense experience. And just honestly, it just, you couldn't even be conscious in that experience. It was just completely like, uh, it was, it was quite a rush. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that was really intense. And then we did the take again. So the first take I rode, I guess I rode as you should ride. And that was just lovely. And it feels amazing. And then the second time I thought, actually, I'd better ride worse because my character's a terrible rider and she falls off right after this scene. So I did ride badly. And that was pep- that was probably the scariest experience <laughs> because I thought, I'm not going to literally fall. It's like literally flying around the saddle. Terrible. Yeah, that, that was quite an experience. I love the excuse to ride a horse. Isn't that, it's got to be one of the best things about acting though, is the... Yeah. Doing random things. Yeah, things that maybe you wouldn't have done otherwise. It's just very, acting's very stimulating and you're always learning from it, I guess, because it is just a mirror of real life. Acting's just all, playing human beings, playing people is just always changing and developing and people are always interesting and you just have so many resources all around you and you just have to like look outside and... Keeps you connected you find all, to yeah, because the real world people are interesting <laughs> and really unpredictable, and it's just I like it. <laughs> no, it makes total sense that it keeps you connected to mm-hmm. uh, being able to connect with other people. Yeah, and also, yeah, it's nice working with people. Well, Emily, I'd like to ask you the final question that I ask every guest on this show. Oh my Lord. What is it going to be? Uh, Which is, if you could live inside the mind of another artist for a day, (laughs) who would it be and what would you specifically like to explore whilst you were there? I'd like to be uh, PJ Harvey for a day, I think. 
<laughs> just because I completely love her. <laughs> what is it that you I just love about? her music and I love her kind of, she's really raw and kind of, I expect it might be feel quite empowering being PJ Harvey on a stage. <laughs> and what would it be specifically that you'd like to explore? You're inside her mind. You've been granted with this. I like to be able to write music like people I love. My brother's a musician. I've always been very, actually rather envious of him being able to pick up an instrument and kind of sort of speaking through it in a way. Like mm. it's this sort of extension of your limb mm. and communicating through that. That's that's actually what both musicians, um, Shirley Tetter and Debbie Wiseman, OBE, the composer, both said that about music. They both yeah, really? said that music is is like a language and, mm. you know, it has it's a language that doesn't isn't restricted by the 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 language in terms of English, mm-hmm. French, you know, that we speak. It's yeah. something that goes beyond that and has yeah. the ability to pierce our hearts and cause a reaction whether we like it or not yes it has that so your imagination and your it's so evocative and you so you you choose pj harvey and (laughs) yeah probably i'd probably choose pj harvey because i'm completely um yeah for real lady crush on her i think she's so cool and brilliant and very sort of comes across a very empowered. I like how she's on a stage. She sort of adopts these characters on stage and her music's really raw. I sort of think she's sort of kind of, she seems like she really doesn't give a shit, which is, <laughs> looks very empowering. <laughs> Liberating. <laughs> yeah. Emily Beecham, thank you so much. It feels fun thank to say you, your name Louise. all in one go. <laughs> Emily Beecham. <laughs> the yeah. Emily Beecham. The Emily Beecham. Yeah, yeah, it was nice I've, to talk to you, Louise. So I'm just going to say thank you so much for joining me as a guest on here. It's been so interesting to hear about how you approach your roles and your preparation process and why it is that, you know, you, you're on this path. Um, so thank you so much. When you were talking about how this liberates you and this role allows you to experience new experiences, I was just like so happy as you were saying this I was really beaming and uh, I think that you just really energize me when I hear about your process and how you approach it so thanks so much for being so open thanks Emily thanks Louise if you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have please share this with a friend and get in touch and let us know what your thoughts are at slowcooked underscore on Instagram and Twitter I'll leave you with a final thought from something that I read in Brain Pickings Online. And it's talking about the retuning of our definition of success. It says, the flower doesn't go from bud to blossom in one sprightly burst. And yet, as a culture, we're disinterested in the tedium of the blossoming. But that's where all the real magic unfolds, it says, in the making of one's character and destiny. So as you go through this week, you may wish to remind yourself that we're all in a state of process and of learning and evolving. So enjoy it. Enjoy the process. Thank you, Clever Almeida, for the poster artwork and Wild Camp for your soundtrack. Enjoy the process.